Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Frasier one wasn't as famous, although I remember the Frasier came after Cheers, of course. Well, yeah, but it's a, it's an outgrowth of Cheers. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I, Tony, everything they don't have Friends went away. Did Friends have a song I never watched? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, it was by the way. Seinfeld didn't have a song. No, that was the... It stopped. And because... I know what Mike is going to say, because millennials have ruined our culture. (laughs) Right? Well, millennials and Gen Xers. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I'm having so much fun with... um, the Greg Garcia, Joe Ippolito thing that I was going to lead with that today. This is a, an email from Mike Schuster in South Bend, Indiana. Dear Dr. Tony, I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for asking. I enjoyed the perfect amount of time with my family, and I had my email regarding the structure of Hallmark movies read on your fine podcast. What a day. On Friday, you read an email from Joe Ippolito from Brooklyn regarding his pending collaboration with Greg Garcia. His email began describing, quote, a story of regret and betrayal, unquote, and related that he is from a long line of writers, as his parents were people of the pen. As I write this, the Hallmark movie currently airing is about a citywide dating scavenger hunt. With all due respect to my fellow Little, his talents may be more best utilized on projects other than a Hallmark movie. Again, you just need to follow the formula. The plot can be completed by someone with the depth of one of Jesse's Frisbees. (laughs) Like that. Uh, Also, we find out that there were lyrics to Bonanza. Um, something I didn't know. Lyrics to Bonanza. I had absolutely no idea. Later in the show, we will go over the lyrics to Bonanza, one of the great television shows of all time. And I guess I wanted to stress this, and I look at my son as I stress this, because he grew up in a world where there are quite literally hundreds, if not thousands, of television channels. You can find anything that was ever done on television on a variety of channels and find things that are current now, and, and anything you want. In the 1950s and 1960s, there were three national channels. I don't believe Fox was a national channel in the 1950s and 60s. I don't. I believe it was local. No. And there was local in New York where I was, Channel 9 and Channel 11. There was local Channel 13, which was public television. But there were three. 9 and 11 did baseball. 9 did the Mets. 11 did the Yankees. 9 did the Knicks. Okay? So that's what we had. There were three national televisions, channels, which meant you could, if you met someone from another city, the only thing you could talk about, the only thing you had in common, you did not have accents in common, you did not have malls in common, malls were not around yet, you had regional accents, you had regional clothing, all you had was ABC, which was the weakest of the three, got the worst ratings. NBC, which was in the middle, and CBS, which was then, as it is now, a ratings monster. That's all you had. So if you watched Westerns, and I don't know that they were on opposite each other. I doubt that they were, but maybe they were. I don't remember this. If you watch CBS, you watch James Arness. You know, he was Sheriff Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke, which was the highest rated show in, in the world. Gunsmoke. And if you didn't like CBS, for whatever your reasons were, if your mother said, those people at CBS are vultures, later in your life, Capital One will replace them. (laughs) And you didn't watch CBS, then you watched NBC, maybe, and you watched Bonanza. Or Wilbon, like the Big Valley, is that what it was called? Yeah, Big Valley. That was ABC. Yeah, who was the... the, Barbara Stanley. That's right, Barbara Stanley. Great actress, Barbara Stanley. Right. But that's all you had in common. So anybody of an age... 
It says, not possible now. Michael, you, you could run into, quite literally, 100 people, and each one of them would watch something different and would not know what you were watching. That is possible, right? Totally. And right now you have, you have so many choices. You saw the, the great unbundling, and now you're seeing some of those streaming servers try and package something that resembles like a basic cable once again. And you sit there spending half your time trying to figure out what channel, device, service is the show that I'm trying to watch on. But you always talk about the, you know, the regionalization of all this, and you just freak, like we have lost the shared experience of any of these great programs. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing that brings us to watching it at one specific time. The closest that we have is you look at our, the kindergartners, and they, get, they sort of deep dive into these shows that are available mostly on cable or, or that streaming service, and they have that. Uh, but for us, it's, it's, it's these niche shows that you just find on your own. Or you watch something five years after it stopped running and you say, I have the complete catalog. I can watch it on my own terms. So this is, which we could not do then. There was no such thing as tape. Right. You, you watched it when it was on or you missed it. Highly recommend Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, yeah. that was, for people as old as I am, that was the single shared experience, television. That's why Johnny Carson was the most important person in the United States of America. And now he would just be another guy, and you might not know he existed. There is a network, and I know it's very popular, uh, the Do-It-Yourself Network, and they have these people, the Property Brothers or oh, something. Yeah. Oh, sure. And they have all of these shows, and people who watch that love that, and I've never seen that. Look, I'm, I'm on television. On ESPN is a pretty big network. It's pretty big. It's top 10 ESPN. I'm on television for 20 years. In the old days, everybody would have known me. Now it's very possible, if not likely, that nobody knows me. Because if you don't watch it, if you're watching the Food Network, right. you, you don't know it. who I am. Because they've created... ABC, NBC, CBS were not niche networks. They, by definition, had to be sprawling so that they could attract the largest amount of people. Now they don't want to do that. Now they want to target... Very specific people. So it's different. But you also, you now look at the breadth of the type of personalities you see on these channels. So the Food, the food Network, for example, if you're part of the Top Chef family, and there's, what, 20 plus seasons of that now, yeah. they now have different shows, sub-shows that you can go on, be a judge. If you like those people. Yeah, being a recurring character. But that's, that's the strength of that. They already have uh, figured out the algorithm. You're interested in this content. We will give you more and more and more. And that is, that is the spine of Hallmark movies. That's exactly what they do. That's why they're all similar, because you like it that way. Yeah. So they, just, they don't really want to put one on where everybody gets killed. Right, they don't want to do that. No, they it's, just the formula works. So yeah. Right. Did you want to hear the actual lyrics to Bonanza? Sure. Here's Lord Green. Hold on. We chased Lady Luck till we finally struck Bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. We got a hold of a pot full of gold Bonanza. With a horse and a saddle and a ring full of cattle, how rich could a fella be? On this land we put our brand. Our how could I miss this? Name. Fortune smiled the day we fired upon the road. He sings worse than I do. Where's the newscaster? Yeah, so it just goes on and on like this. Really? Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't even recall it. Honestly, no. don't recall it now. In other news, the football poll came out last night. USC is four. Ohio State is five. That means if USC wins, they're in. If TCU wins, they're in. And Ohio State is out. If, both, if USC loses, they're out because they have two losses. 
And at that point, either Ohio State sneaks in or a two-loss team with better losses, closer losses, Alabama yeah. comes in. And wouldn't that be something? I thought you were going a different direction when you mentioned football. I'm going there now. I'm going there now. I watched, I watched the soccer game yesterday, the United States against Iran. Did you go to a watch party? I watched it in my house because we were going to do the PTI show. Well, it was a watch party with Nigel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, no, Nigel and Sean were watching. Yes. You know, I was watching upstairs. Did Sean have strong feelings about that offsides? Uh, I don't know if I don't know if he was, if, he, if we were watching it together at that point, but yes, I I, I talked Sean to him later. had to fix the microphone. Yes, which was great. Yes, so I watched it. And I, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know anything about soccer. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I suddenly like soccer. I don't. It's it's they don't shoot enough for me. There's not an attempt to score goals for me. The United States team did not lose a single game of the three that they played. And scored two goals. I'm sorry. That's not getting it done. That's, as they say, not feeding the bulldog. Not to me. <laughs> but I, I hope that people don't make this into some shocking thing that happened. If I am not mistaken, the United States was ranked 14th in the world or 16th in the world going into this. I'd like to get that number. Because if they were ranked 14th, or 16th in the world going into this. Their seeding for the tournament was 16, I believe. 16. That means that they were projected to get to the next round. Because, Michael, how many teams are in the next round? 16, I believe. Right. So if you're rated 16th, they're saying you're the one we think is the last one in. 16. It brings you back to what is an upset as you have that 16-19 matchup in right. the first and say giving Iran, up that late goal was the okay, biggest issue. The, the Wales thing. Yes. Right. So Wales not expect Wales rated 19th, and what was Iran rated? I'm looking. I'm not. Iran seeing. was not rated in the top 16. Yeah. Because on Jeopardy, there never is this question: Middle Eastern soccer power for 800. <laughs> what is Iran? No, that's never happened. They're not a middle. They're not a power. So us beating them, and by the way, they didn't even show up in the in the first half. They didn't even try to score at all. It didn't seem. Well, I, so th- that becomes part of their offense, well, which, we'll is, Chuck yeah, which is to let the U.S. team control the ball but not to give up goals. That's what's well, so infuriating here. They gave up a goal. When you start to look at the, yes, but they kept it tight at one nothing, And then you start to look at the the way the game changes as you near the end of regulation time. And then you get to the, well, sort of the penalty time and you try and figure out how much time is left. And that was the longest well, nine minutes they tell that you, you can right? imagine. They do tell you, but you're just sort of trying to catalog um, the injuries. And again, it's it's like the hockey fight where it's trying to stall time and give the, the sort of the fake water break. Uh, but to see the shift in style when you got to that extra time, because all they're doing is playing for the draw at that point. You and just the, want the to score game one goal. unhinged. You win by tying. Yeah, the game gets crazy, and referees big, big fans have... of Walker Zimmerman in our house. Oh, good name with a man bun. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, he was the guy who gave up the penalty that led to Garth Bale getting the penalty oh, shot in the first game. Well, so the worst yes. thing with the substitution is you're trying to go all in on the defense, and so it just makes it the ball's never leaving your side of the field. But they're not even playing defense that well. You understand it far better. I than don't I. understand it at all. That, but I'm trying to. Um, I As a believe, millennial, I'm ruining everything. I believe that. Just the, wait to see well, how Will I parent Bond, my kids. Just call Wilbon at home. <laughs> um, I believe that the referees in this sport have far too much power. I mean, I, look, 
I watch it the same way you watch it. Well, I don't watch it the same way you watch it if you watch it with sophistication. But those of us who just sort of drift in and watch it, you see a guy get hammered, hammered to the ground. There's no question he got forcibly put to the ground in what must be illegal and nothing happens. And then you see another guy fake an injury and lay down and the referee awards, rewards him for his acting. I, I don't, you know, it, it, they have so much power that if they wanted to fix a game, they could. Sure. They really could. Uh, there's no governing them. They do whatever they want. Is it just one referee makes all the calls or there's a bunch of guys out there and does some recommend calls? I don't even know how it works. I think there's a team of them. Then any, any one of the three, are there three of them? Yeah, if they see a foul, Don't you think the they have too much power? Yeah, I mean, but you could say that with a basketball game. You know, they could call, you know, traveling all the time and stuff yeah. like that. And, and that's choose- what happened. And Tim Donaghy made money yes. by throwing games. Right, but it comes back to, I mean, you look at what the, the powerhouses in Europe are planning to do by wearing the, you know, the armbands on their... Yeah. Uh, not part of the official kit, if you will, and to see what the power of the potential yellow card could be where you'd say, oh, you can't afford to have Harry Kane get a yellow card before no. the ball's dropped if you think about what a second accidental one might mean or if you know a referee decides to enter that uh, discussion by you know giving one out. Yes, yes, that's, that's what I'm suggesting here. Um, and can we stop with kit and match and nil? Can we <laughs> just stop with that and pitch? Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, stop. Stop. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, Chuck Todd, 4-3 and three last week, 39-43-3, our only human or simian competitor under 500. We will give Chuck Todd a bunch of games when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Bo Hayward. From San Francisco. Writes, Dear Tony, my first real life David Aldridge moment. Robbie Cronholm, the one I went to high school with in San Francisco, the one whose mom lives two blocks from me, the one I've seen in concert many times over the years, including when he was in Crumb. Yeah, that's the one. Robbie is indeed a great artist and even better person. In fact, the world got a bit brighter last week when Robbie and his wife had their first child. Thanks to hearing Robbie on the pod, I was inspired to share another independent musician who's been a close friend for more than 25 years. I've been a fan of Ashby Pate's music, who would be happy to have his music featured since we met each other in 1996 as freshmen at the University of Colorado. Go Buffs. Countless late nights on our Boulder porch would feature Ashby and his guitar and continues to this day as we both reach our mid-40s. In fact, when he visits, I make sure to borrow a guitar so he can play and I can relive some of our college days. Currently a father of two and an attorney in Birmingham, Alabama. While the Forrest Gump... Comparison for someone from Alabama may be cheap. It works for Ashby. He has lived, studied, and taught in the United Kingdom. Worked in the sovereign island nation of Palau, which is, I think, one of the third smallest country in the world because the ambassador to Palau is a Binghamton graduate, or was a couple of years ago, where he clerked for the Palauan Supreme Court before he was appointed to serve an associate Supreme Court justice in Palau. 
Wow, that's cool. He was also on the legal team that took Judge Roy Moore off the bench in Alabama. <laughs> this is called Every Day is Sunburned by Ashby Pate. It plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck won his last game, won the Monday night game, and so uh, was 4-3, and 39-43-3 overall. Again, we give Chuck games. Okay, everybody else picks their own games, including the monkey. Pick their own games. We give Chuck games. I'm trying to set it up for you so it doesn't feel so bad that you I, I don't one. feel that bad. I do think that all your pros, if they were given the game, I'd say I'd have a better record. There so you take go. Take that, Jeff Ma. Yeah. Let's go. The gauntlet is thrown. <laughs> I'm not going to play blackjack with Jeff Ma. <laughs> no, that would be a mistake. <laughs> that would not happen. No, that would be a mistake. Are right, you ready to go? Let's roll. Buffalo at New England. Buffalo has a surprisingly bad uh, division record, I think. People are thinking Miami is going to win that division now, not Buffalo. And Buffalo, to be fair, the last four games, even the ones they won, hadn't looked particularly good at all, I don't think. If you like Buffalo to beat New England, and New England got beat last week in a division game, right? Was that a division game last week? New England? Uh, no? Uh, no, they lost to the Vikings. Okay, That's the right. Vikings. Yes. That's right. Belichick doesn't usually lose a whole bunch. Belichick's in last place in that division. When was the last time that happened? If you like Buffalo... And you often like Buffalo. You give four. Yeah, I, this is a tough one. I think Allen's hurt. I mean, it yeah. seems to be. Yeah. That he's, he's not zipping it. Playing hurt. Yeah. And I know everybody at this time of year, is probably, everybody's playing a little bit hurt. Um, yeah, it's a, it, New England needs this more than Buffalo, it feels like. Um, so, I don't. It's a you know there's a field goal living in there. I, I'm comfortable enough. Give me the Patriots in the four. I don't know that I would do that, but it's interesting. That's a tough game. There are a lot of tough games this week. This is a tough game. New York Jets are getting well, this three. Is a, this feels like a very pivotal week. Yes, New York right? Jets. I mean, you know, the Pats. The, the, this is everything. I think the yeah. season's over if they lose this game. That's, I agree. That's another reason. You know, if you if you buy into Belichick, right? You know, and he knows this is it. There's really no more room for error. Yeah, but you picked him on a on a short week. Remember, you said you picked the better coach on a short week. And I do. Yeah. I, well, I still. By the way, Patriots won, Patriots were the better team that night. Okay, they should have won that game. I I I don't feel I make the same pick. I don't feel like watching the game. I, you know, I felt like New England lost that game. I don't know. I I, I don't know what Nigel agrees, but I, I felt like New England lost more than the Vikings won. The next game is the Jets getting three at Minnesota. Minnesota has won a lot of close games this year. <sighs> We all, and when I say we all, me and Chuck, we just don't believe in the quarterback. We don't believe in the quarterback. But it is very hard. It's very hard to believe in Mike White two games in a row. On the road? It's very hard to believe in him. They're going to get tape on him. It's hard. I I would take Minnesota here. Who are you taking? It's on the road, too, and that's a – the Vikings have a good home field. The Vikings are frustrating to me because – they're they're not as good as the record says. They you can feel it, you can see it. They smell like a playoff team that's going out the first game they play. Um, but you know they have figured out how to win games. I, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'll go with the Vikings. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't love it. The I, next I, one I, is another. I'd probably tease the Jets. Yeah, that makes sense. For what it's worth, because you'd want to get them Because the Vikings don't beat anybody by more than a score. No, they don't. The next one's tough. Tennessee at Philadelphia. Tennessee's getting five. Now, I know Tennessee just got beat 
I understand that by Cincinnati. That was a pretty good game. Um, Tennessee's a pretty good team. They had won seven of eight. Philadelphia is rolling through the league, but I'm not convinced that Philadelphia is a 16-1 and team. Would you take the five at Philadelphia? I think, and I don't know this, but I bet you if, if we got the, uh, we used to call them Googling monkeys. Right. If you got the Googling monkeys to come up with a stat. I, when's the last time Tennessee was a favorite? Aren't the, they always getting points? Uh, they have this year. It always feels like they're getting points. Um, I don't know how Tennessee keeps up with Philadelphia. That's the problem there. I don't okay. know how they score enough points. Okay. And and I just and it, if this were at Tennessee, I'd feel differently. Um, the only thing that makes me nervous is we're in the weather. We're now in the weather period of football, where. But that said, the Eagles are sort of built. I think they're built for cold weather too. I mean, they they run the ball as well as anybody. They do. Yeah. Give me. I, I'll go. I'll, okay. I'll go with the Eagles again. Not a, I think a game I'd stay away from with real money because you just don't know what you're going to get from Tennessee. Here is another game. These, there's nothing but great games that you want to watch this week. Oh, it's a great lineup. This it's is Miami at San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco is hard to figure out because sometimes they don't score a lot of points even though they seem capable of it. Jimmy Garoppolo is an erratic quarterback. Miami's getting four points at San Francisco. In the games that Tua has started, eight of them, started and finished, they're 8-0, and oh, and they are getting four points in San Francisco. Who you got? Well, this is also, this is the, the, the Padawan here, right? With uh, Mike McDaniel and, and Kyle Shanahan. That's right. Uh, so you have that subplot. And, of course, so many people know this as the rematch of the 1984 Super Bowl. I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I think that's too many points. Uh, San Francisco may very well win this game, but but not by more than a field goal. So you'll take my um, yeah, I, give give me uh, give me two in the boys. You think that those games were good? Kansas City at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's oh, won seven out of eight. Seven out of eight. Kansas City wins all the time, but they don't win by a lot. They don't cover. They, they don't, don't like to cover. Kansas they City tried really hard not to cover. Kansas City <laughs> is only giving two and a half points at Cincinnati, which is very tempting. Two and a half, very tempting. You know, Cincinnati needs this a little bit more than Kansas City needs this um, if they want to win that division. You know, Baltimore losing was a big deal to Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, so. They need this game. I, I believe, by the way, speaking of Cincinnati, they're 7-2 and two in their last nine? Yeah. Yeah. They were 0-2 to, to begin with. And, and Jamar yeah. Chase has been out of the last four, and they won the last three. And he's coming back to this game, right? Yeah. yeah. God, I really want to take Cincinnati. Well, since it's fake money with you, I, I, I get to do that. Yeah. I, I, You'll take Cincinnati? I, I, I want a Cincinnati here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jamar Chase is coming back to the game. You know who's not coming back for this game? Odell Beckham Jr. Because he's sitting in an airport lounge somewhere trying to explain <laughs> what happened. Okay, that's going to – people say that won't hurt him because Jerry Jones really wants him. I think that does hurt him. I think that limits the ability of, of a bunch of teams to go after this guy. You think it does? No. In a world where Hugh Freeze gets a job no, at an SEC school, never. I don't know. 
You free should never have matter? a job. You free should. Does, any, does mm. anything matter anymore? My God. Other than winning. You freeze getting a job in the SEC again is amazing to me. It'd be like if, if Art Bryles got a job again in the Big 12. Or something. Wasn't he? Somebody said Bryles was being interviewed. Oh, my. For oh that my. job. And I thought it has to be Kendall Bryles. Not has to be at least the son, not, not the dad. Unbelievable. All right, those were the great games. Here are the games that are not so great, though one of them is pretty good. <laughs> The Chargers are at the Raiders. The Chargers are a team that, they're a disappointing team every year, all the time, but they won last week. They had the two-point conversion. The Raiders have won two in a row. Since uh, Derek Carr wept openly uh, at the microphone, saying not everybody cares, they've won two in a row, but they've won them both in overtime. Both in overtime. Odd statistic. If you like the Chargers at the Raiders, you give two. This will be a great red zone game. Don't you think? Yes. I mean. Yeah, this could be a 40-35 game. Yeah. Yes. It will constantly be. Uh, Anyway, what's what's the number? Two. Chargers minus two. Chargers minus two. Minus two. At Vegas. At Vegas. At Vegas. Yeah. I do like the Chargers better slightly on the road. I wish they were getting a point or two, but... um, Look, this game's going to be decided by a field goal. So give me, I, I think the Chargers are slightly better, so give me that. Okay, take the Chargers. And then the Washington game. Washington, which has apparently, unbeknownst to me, won five out of six. And Carson Wentz is not going to get a sniff of the field until Taylor Heineke loses two in a row. He's not going out there. Nobody will have that happen. They're at the Giants. Somebody needs to tell me how the Washington team is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the Giants. But the Giants have lost three out of four. This is the last stand Have for the Giants. Have you seen their injury list? No. Have is you it, seen the Giants injury no, list? No. Is Barkley on it? it, it it's, it's, the question is who's not on it. Okay. All like. right. Well, then, then I understand that's, it. That's, that's why this line is what it is. I, I, you know, there's two sort of – there was a stat about Taylor Heineke. He has thrown more turnover-worthy passes than any other quarterback but they've gotten lucky. Yeah, but they don't get caught. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of one of these things that you're like, you know, he's going to regress to the mean. You just don't know what game it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the Giants are dead. This Okay, because this is their – they have to I win this game. All, yeah, and I think they're already dead. Okay. I think that this team is out of gas. So I'll rely, I, I, I wish – I'll take the commanders. Okay, so settle something for us. It's tough. I believe, well, Michael and I believe that those black uniforms that Washington wears are pretty sweet. I really like the helmet with the W, and Michael, you think that the helmet is is poorly can... I I like the helmet, I just don't like the W. Right, what's wrong with the W? I I don't like the block look. It reminds me of the Superman S from uh, my childhood. Okay, all right. So I'm with you on the block letters. I'm not crazy about it. I like the number. I like this trend of putting the number back on the helmet. Yeah, me too. I, I just, I think it's a good look. I hate the name, but I think it's a good look. I do. And they're winning you know, they now. they start winning, people will start not hating the name. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Just, and, I, and I have to tell you, like, I, like you, I think it's Wilbon that mentioned it. This, this feels like a uh, 1980s NFC East Washington yes. football yes. team. Wilbon has them in the playoffs. Or the New York Giants. 
you know, you know, when they would have Jeff Hostetler take him to a Super Bowl and right? win, like just just smack you in the mouth, punch you in the face, uh, and they play tough football. Yeah, well, we'll see. You're taking the Washington. Wow, That's, I think it's a giant last stand. I, I'm, I, I look, do. I got to, you know, I got to, I got, I got to get to 500 somehow. We can buy your way to 500. We'll take your money. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, no, I want to do. You gave Carville like seven wins for one game. So Carville get five wins. It's he five, said it's his, it's his five play. Five play. Like these, he would have gotten five losses. Remember the 90s, the first gambling show? I got my five star pick. Call 1 900. I don't lose. Yeah. No. Those guys have disappeared. It's too you bad. Like Carville, actually, I, I, don't you think he still runs one of those 900 numbers? I right? would that's imagine. Probably what the dude in, in Louisiana, well, he, that's what he like to do. He gave credit to some website in Louisiana <laughs> for this pick. He's all over the websites. He's all over T Boy Latchelet. He's, <laughs> you know, he's doing this. He's actually insane. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. And if we gave you Chuck Todd and Chuck Todd alone, be enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Reginald's got the vice, spy too. Sometimes he throws boo, boo, boo. He's had too much Johnny Walker blues. So what does he got? He was 2-1 last week. He wins all the time. He's 23-12-1. He's got the best percentage of anybody out there. And he doesn't give you a five-star pick because he's a monkey. <laughs> right. What does he got? Uh, so I went down to uh, the National Zoo to, uh, to check in on our friend Reginald. And he was very excited when he saw me walking over. Wanted to show me a scrapbook of his time uh, acting in the early 60s. Showed me lots of pictures of him on set. Of Bonanza, Bonanza with Lorne Green. Also, some other shows you may be familiar with. Uh, the Many Lives of Dobie Gillis. Yeah, sure. I love Dobie oh, Gillis. Many Loves Dwayne of Hickman. Yes. Uh, and also The Flying Nun, although he was asked Sally to leave Field. that set. Yes. She was Sister Betrayal. <laughs> That's right. Sally Field. Yeah. 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 The Flying Nun. Yeah. Yes. So, clearly, he's got great ties to, to Hollywood. You know, we've always known he's a many many talented monkey. Uh, but we took some time from reminiscing about that to uh, go over some of these matches. The first one we gave him was the Bills giving four at New England tomorrow night. Uh, and he showed me an old photograph of him at a jitterbug dance contest. Yeah. I didn't know they still went on. Uh, with Marv Levy and Phil's mom. So that tells me that, I don't know if they were all there together. But, you know, I don't Marv know how Levy that was. and Phil's mom is all you need to know. <laughs> right. So he, all you need to know. he loves the Bills and he will give the four. Now, the next one we gave him was uh, San Francisco also giving four to Miami. This one in San Fran. Uh, and he showed me a picture of him walking around Fisherman's Wharf with Juan Marichal, Merton Hanks, and Jerry Garcia, all patrons of, of San Francisco. Fantastic. Yes. So that Fantastic. tells me to take the Eating that Parisian bread <laughs> right out of the red, white, and blue bag. Some nice sourdough bread. Sourdough bread. Parisian yes. sourdough bread. Everybody used to buy that on the way home. Yeah. Back when the country the was regionalized. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the last match game, of course, was uh, the Washington football team giving two and a half. And I, I thought he would take the Giants with this. But no. Showed me a picture of him at the Dancing Crab late. After with Sonny, hours with, with Sonny? Sonny and Rigo. Okay. So, <laughs> Mary and Barry might have been in the background of that picture. Yeah. I couldn't tell. But that tells me he's got ties to the, the Washington area. He keeps winning. He does. And he's a monkey. Okay, he's a monkey. We'll take a break. Chuck Culpepper, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Once again, sent in by his friend, this is Ashby Pate. This is a song called Down that plays in Chuck Culpepper. Michael, if people want to send in original music of their own or their friends with their permission, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. And is TK Gobble still out there for Johnny O? Uh, it is, but I think everyone's seen enough with the uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. Okay. I just remember it's not Tuesday, but Giving Tuesday is still in our hearts. And I yes. encourage everyone to take a look at uh, the first tee of Greater Washington, D.C. They do great work, and please check out some of the videos to hear it from the kids themselves. Yes, that's a one, and, and I'm glad that this show is involved with that. Very involved with the first tee of Washington. Chuck Culpepper joins us. He is in Qatar. Um, the way Chuck Culpepper covers things is different than everybody else, better than everybody else, and he wanders around sort of like Charles Kuralt and finds the right things at Olympics to write about. So I know you didn't write about uh, the Iran-United States game, but it's uppermost in our minds being in the United States. And, and so... I just wondered, I don't, you know, I was saying at the beginning of the show, we were ranked 16. If we're ranked 16 and there's 16 teams in the second round, then we were expected to make the second round. We were ranked ahead of Iran. So I don't know that this is an upset. I think we were supposed to win this game. What are your thoughts about it? I think it's not an upset, but it is a case of overcoming a colossal amount of tension. And that tension was because, partly because it's not an upset, and because this team, was having not made it in 2018, the key to it was going to be the threshold, was going to be getting to the knockout stage. Yeah. <clears throat> and now that has been done, and we, we see what just crazy narrow margins are involved in doing that. And now that's been done, and maybe it can play more freely now, but now the accomplishment you know, has been uh, secured. And I think that was hard. I don't know how big a story this was where you are. It was a relatively big story here, the shrinking of the flag, the deliberate mischaracterization of the Iranian flag by the United States Soccer Federation and then hanging their players and coach out to dry because they were the ones to take questions about this. Was that a big deal there, and do you think it had any effect on the game? I don't think it had any effect on the game. I, it was not as big a deal here as it would have been in the in the U.S. because here there were, you know, three or four other things going on that day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's such a there's such a focus on Brazil. Brazil is, of course, the the all time best country in this event, five titles and. Uh, they were playing then and you know there are things here that kind of distract from that in a way that that this that this issue uh you know between <clears throat> between peoples between governments in some cases um you know really draws a lot <clears throat> a lot of attention only in certain places uh, yeah i accept that i mean I'm, my position is pretty clear on this if if a country had done that to us and took out the stars from our flag we'd have gone crazy We've gone absolutely crazy, and I think with some justification. So I don't 
don't truly understand what was accomplished here. And I do think that we well, we were the yeah. protagonist in it, I think, right? I think, yeah, and in the SEC, that would depend on which stars <laughs> were taken out. That's, that's, that's probably true. That's probably true. All right, so we're, we're out of the first round. Um, well, at least in, in our group, we're out of the first round. And the United States now is in with big boys. I assume the Netherlands yeah. is a big boy. I assume that all European countries... Uh, who play soccer and have had some success in the World Cup are favored to beat the United States, or am I wrong? No, that's absolutely right. And in this case, the Dutch, we're talking about a team that um, also did not make it to 2018 in Russia. And they were, you know, for them, that was much more of a national crisis than it, than it was for us. They were in a qualifying group and finished third. And only two of that group got out to the, you know, to, to be able to qualify. And so for them, this is also a big kind of cause year, but on a different level. You know, they, they're a country who's finished as runner-up three times, probably the best record of any country which among those who have never won it. And so, you know, this, is, this was seen for the, them as a comeback and, and as a really big deal. Who are the best? You, you travel around. You see these teams. Who in your mind, which doesn't mean it's going to be this way down the road, but who in your mind are the best teams out there now, the three or four best teams? France. <clears throat> France is the one who's just wow. <clears throat> and that's, that's a wow itself because they're depleted. They've been hit by injuries as hard as anybody has. And, and the fact that they have this much left, and Kylian Mbappe, their uh, biggest star of a player who starred in the World Cup at age 19, is for me, I was trying to think which athlete in any sport would I rather you know, watch than any other in the world. And thought about Steph Curry. I love watching him. And, but this guy, this guy is just so compelling. And so France, to me, has, has shown the most polish and beauty so far. And, of course, nobody ever repeats in this thing since brazil in 1962 and they won it last time so they got that against them and then brazil kind of right after that uh so many great players in the system uh their their biggest star neymar injured and did not stay at the hotel for the match against switzerland the other night and so you know that's an issue but there's there's so much more there that they certainly can can win this thing i would say those two so far are the ones who who have looked like the um you know, the top, the top level. But this thing has a randomness to it because it's in November and not in June, and the teams didn't have all that much time to, to gather and, and, you know, become cohesive and all of that before playing this. So uh, it's, it's, there's kind of a big knock on everyone in this thing. Can I ask a little bit about refereeing? Um, how many referees are out there, and can they all – call penalties or is it just the lead referee who can call penalties i'm just the lead and um it's you know that's a job that uh people probably follow more you know people always yell at referees at at all kinds of sports i didn't come to watch you but i think people do come to watch them a lot of times it seems to be all they pay attention to in a lot of cases but um that's a a job where people know 
in a certain country who was the referee in a in a certain situation and bemoan it for years and years over some decision, much like in say college basketball or something. Um, I I just think they have. I've said this a couple of times. I think they have far too much discretionary power. I mean, I I oh, watch yeah. and I watch okay. with. You know, I don't watch with sophisticated eyes. I, I don't. It's not a sport I understand. But I watch a guy get hit, get hit to the ground, get what I think is deliberately hit or thrown to the ground by somebody else's legs. Nothing is called. And then I watch a guy flop when there isn't even contact and something will be called. And I, I, I don't know how that works. Do people complain about the power of the referees at all? I think that's what people are responding to when they're so disgruntled by them, you know, and then, and then you factor in the fact that, okay, so Portugal played Ghana and um, I have Ghanaian friends who were, who are still upset about how Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, his acting job to get a, a key penalty in that match. That was the first group match here. And, and so is the referee in that, on that occasion, giving deference to a, yeah. A great player because, oh, he's a great player. So, you know, and we, we know other sports where that can be true as well. But um, the amount of power, I have the same reaction as someone who I also consider myself kind of a eager novice watching mm-hmm. this. Um, but I have that same reaction. The amount of power in that job is, is towering. I, I need to ask this about the United States team. If the United States team had... Uh, tied at 0-0 yesterday, which is always a possibility in soccer, I would have said, okay, uh, we didn't lose any games, um, but oh, we lost one to England, but we don't, we don't score any goals. And as it was, because then they would have had one goal total. Now we have two goals total. We're out there three games. We have two goals total. And I sit and watch and go, shoot it. Come on, <laughs> shoot it. Um so I'm, I'm, you know, nobody likes me. Soccer people don't like people like me. But shouldn't they shoot it a little more? I just don't think, you know, this level of play. I once had an American player who was playing in England explain this to me. Named Jay Demerit some years ago. He said he was in the lower leagues in in England, and then he said he, and then his team, which at the time was Watford, had gotten to the to the top league, the Premier League, and he said the biggest difference is in the lower leagues, you feel you can sense a guy coming toward you, and you think he's coming toward me. It, at this level, at the top league, as soon the minute you've had the thought, he's already next to you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what happens. I think that's what happens a lot is sort of the sense of the defenders who are around and what they're uh, capable of has a big influence on, on how much people attempt things. Yeah, and the other thing I could think of is if you keep shooting it all the time and you miss badly, the other team runs down the field and, and beats you. As we right. saw yesterday, our goalie, who's very good at jumping up in the air and knocking balls over the net, very good at that, but not so good at putting his knees together and stopping a ball from going through his knees, there was that possibility I would assume someone could have run behind him and gotten the ball and kicked it in the net. So, although I probably shouldn't be critical. I'll just get to an easy question. Today's Wednesday. Um, Pulisic got hurt on Tuesday. This game isn't until Saturday. I've got to assume that kid is playing. Don't you assume the same thing? 
I assume that, and I assume it, you know, from his, what, his hospital bed photo that he has, that, uh, and from his, the scene where, you know, and I try to be careful about these things, are they real, but the scene where he's in the hotel lobby and they're all coming back and he's videotaping them and videoing them, and, um, yeah, I just think that uh, the nature of that injury, which we probably can't discuss as fully as as uh, science would would suggest, but um, I think the nature of that injury might be one where uh, returning four days later is plausible. Yeah, that's what I think. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying this? Actually, very, very much. Good. I really am. Um, it's it's uh, it's truly international, and this country is that way anyway. Because as I was saying before, so many guest workers. Yeah, eighty-eight percent. You talk to people here from all over the world. They're they're baristas, they're barbers, they're in the grocery store, you know, all day long. You talk to people from all over the world here. So I, you know, I'm on the metro the other day, and these fans from Ghana, actually, they're security police who are here working for three months uh, for the event. They just crowd around me and they want to ask me about the U.S. and we exchange numbers and I've been invited there now which i've always wanted to go there and so it's that's the kind of thing that just every day that kind of interaction with the world is what i love the most yeah i mean i I understand that i mean when you cover regular sports popular american sports maybe at a golf tournament maybe at a tennis tournament you get a sense that's outside our borders maybe you get a sense of internationalism but this this seems just so wildly popular you know, that people are so thrilled to be there. That's, that's what I sense when they show crowd shots, right? They're just so thrilled to be involved in this. Absolutely. I was thinking last time it was in Russia, and I was walking across a bridge one day, and I started walking with a woman from China, and we started talking to each other. And she had, I think she said, seven days off per year, and it had taken six of them to come see two World Cup matches and. Russia, and that's the kind of thing that when people people arrive here and they get here, um, even with all the misgivings that have come up and that are always going to be a part of the legacy of this particular World Cup, just with as in with Russia and the Beijing Olympics and so on, um, I think it's such a dream for so many people that uh, that that's what you see in their faces in those moments. It's great to hear. Thank you, Chuck. Enjoy yourself. We will talk to you before it ends for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll do email and jingle when we return. And I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Accompanying herself, Kirsten Onstad, birthday girl last week. Yes. Happy to remember since Bonnie told me about it. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. 
That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me, my lover stands on golden sands and watches the ships that go sailing. That's Bobby Darren. That's from the late 1950s. That's a long time ago. Bobby Darren, major talent. I believe his full name is Walden Robert Casoto. You could check me on that, but I think you'll find I'm right. <laughs> thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Chuck Culpepper, Dave Chucks. And thanks as well to today's sponsors, Freshly and Harry's Razors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And yes, indeed, you did have that correct. Of course I had that correct. <laughs> I'm good at that. Um, you know, the deal with him was that he was the son of his older sister who was impregnated, and she told him his whole life that she was his aunt and let her mother raise him. That's in the movie. Oh, the Kevin Spacey movie? Yes, which is a very good movie. Wow. Weird movie because it has production numbers that just break out into song and dance on the street, sort of like a Broadway musical, but you don't see that in, in movies. That's right. not the way it's supposed to work. Shared with a haiku, Tony Maverick. Back pain is his companion, yodeling's his game. <laughs> From Joe Farrell, our Chief Little's blackout correspondent in Olney, Maryland. We have power again. Some private plane jockey is the culprit. Who buys a plane anyway? Why couldn't they have done something more sensible with their money, like buy a restaurant with their friends? Love Joe Did Farrell. you hear the 911 call? Oh, I haven't it, listened it to so that yet. It was so calm. Unbelievable. Unbelievably calm. And who are you? I'm the pilot. It's unbelievably calm. Like, I'd go up with that guy. Oh, sure. I, it's really amazing. Wow. From Steve Fishner in Kipps Bay, New York. That's in New York City. There are, in fact, lyrics to the Bonanza theme song. Your discussion of this weighty subject awakened long unused brain cells in my challenged mind. As a student at PS 255 in the Midwood Sheepshead Bay section of Brooklyn during the 60s, we convened every Friday for assembly. White shirt and school color blue tie required. Our teachers taught us songs that the 100-plus student assembly would sing in unison. Bonanza was one of those songs. God knows why. Here is the first verse from memory. You can supply the melody. All I remembered was this. That's all I remembered. That's it. I didn't know there were lyrics. We've got a right to pick a little fight. Bonanza. If anyone fights any one of us, he's got to fight with me. One for all, all for one, this I guarantee. We got a right to pick a little fight. Bonanza. Now, that was Lorne Green, former newscaster in Canada, doing that. I... As we know, did not have any idea. Please save that clip of Tony singing. <laughs> From Bill Masters in Los Angeles. It's a new clothes. Roberts. Bonanza. The guy who played Adam on Bonanza was Purnell Roberts. Uh, yeah, I said his name was Adam Purnell, and I got Purnell right. Well, we he didn't is, say Purnell Whitaker, at least. It's not Purnell. It's not sweeping. He is a graduate of the theater department at the University of Maryland in College Park. 20 years later, when I was there, there was a professor who never missed an opportunity to mention he knew Purnell Roberts, whose name no one actually knew. By the way, Purnell left Bonanza because he wanted to be an actor and do Shakespeare in the theater. The professor supposedly told him to stay on the show, and at the end he could purchase a theater and do all that Shakespeare he liked. He didn't listen. He left after a couple of seasons. Oh, really? Insane. He was never replaced because they didn't get a fourth son. <laughs> they didn't do it. That. I mean, people were acted on the show, but they didn't do it that way. Right. Uh, from Michael Snyder, before I listened to Monday's pod, I was leaving a regular Monday morning meeting when someone said, we'll see you next week to watch. I immediately responded on my three sons. I immediately envisioned the tapping wingtip on the right, the sneakers crunched in the middle and the penny loafer on the left. I saw the credits in my mind led by starring Fred McMurray and then his uncle Charlie, William Demarest. I couldn't remember anybody else without looking it up. And when I did, I discovered the two youngest sons were brothers. 
If this is the new game, it's great on many levels, but especially because it keeps the lousy millennials and useless Gen Xers out because reruns don't count. Sincerely, older than I thought in Jerusalem. P.S. Forget driving anywhere. Just forget it. DG and you can walk over for Shabbat dinner. Um, Don Grady, I think, was the oldest one, and then it was Chip and somebody Livingston. There were two Livingstons. They were actual brothers. Barry Livingston and Chip Livingston, I think. And I, I have not thought of that in 65 years. <laughs> From the Reverend Mark Schaefer, I was happy to hear you talk about Maverick. Even though I'm a Generation Xer, I know that show well and love it. My dad still watches it every day after Gunsmoke. I don't remember what channel it's on. It's probably something like Old Guy TV, a sister network to Old Guy Radio, and a subsidiary of Old Guy Media Incorporated. One particular Maverick episode has been a family favorite. In it, Brett has been somehow wronged, and throughout the entire episode, he sits on his porch whittling. Whenever somebody comes up and says, aren't you going to do anything to get even, Maverick? He just keeps whittling and he says, I'm working on it. That phrase has become something of an inside joke between my dad and me, code for biding one's time to seek revenge. To add to James Garner's great filmography beyond Maverick and the Rockford Files, I submit his role as Henley, the scrounger in Great Escape, one of my favorite roles in that fantastic movie. And Mark Schaefer signs it, yours, working on it. From Bruce Steinbrink, while driving into work today, I heard your Monday discuss- discussion about old themes, songs from TV shows. While your memory brings you the smooth and cool lyrics from Maverick, the switch you set off in my brain was the mind screw lyrics from My Mother the Car. A 1928 Porter, that's my mother dear. She helps me through everything I do and I am so glad she's here. My Mother the Car. Thanks, Grandpa. I had that in my head all day as I walked around work. Don't recall that show. Um, Scott McClure. Oh, My Mother the Car. Jerry... Uh, Van Dyke was in that. Oh, really? Yeah, Dick Van Dyke's brother was right. in my mother. It's time show. for a reboot with the Tesla. Terrible show, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, my mother, Elon Musk. Uh, mother of saying. all things. Uh, Scott McClure, South Burlington, Vermont. If Dan Byrne doesn't have a fully composed theme song for Listen Up by Wednesday, what are we even doing out here, man? Um, Jason Anschutz in Fargo. As a member of the culture-ruining younger generation, I feel the need to stand up for the TV theme songs of the late 90s and early 2000s. While I hesitate to go too in-depth for fear of starting a new email game, here are my rankings since Cheers went off the air. Friends, I'll Be There For You may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it made it to the Billboard charts for crying out loud. Two, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There's a 99% chance that Michael knows every word to this song and will be singing it to himself in 40 years when his sciatic won't let him sleep. Do you know that? <laughs> I, used to, I used to sing the song as I was doing the presidential uh, fitness relay when yeah. he'd have to like run oh. the mile. Yeah. <laughs> Three, The Sopranos. Yeah, woke up oh, this sure. morning and but got Adrian, myself yes. a gun. Yeah. Perfection, yeah. Um, you know, initially four. he didn't want that. So he, he wanted to have a rotating song. Is that right? Yeah, he didn't want like an actual theme song, but it, it you know turns out it was brilliant. Chase, you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dawson's Creek. Honestly, I just put this on my list in case Chris Eliza was <laughs> yeah, on. A- <laughs> Seeing it would further ruin his credibility with Keith Oberman, if that's possible. And One five, trio has to be on this list. <laughs> five, with apologies to Michael's beloved Darkwing Duck, the best kids theme, so, theme song of our Rescue generation Rangers? is Animaniacs. I was going to say Rescue Rangers. That's uh, it. That's you, you leave out One Tree Hill, but that's a real song. Right, right. Uh, and also Veronica Mars, A Long Time Ago. I don't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Kevin in Phoenix. Larry Hagman was J.R., Patrick Duffy was Bobby, Linda Gray was Sue Ellen, Victoria Principal was Pamela, Jimmy Johnson was the coach. That's Jimmy cast Johnson? Cast of Dallas? Like, oh, yeah. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Where? Did, where, where? All right. One more. Um, this is from Brett Hobbs. 
Linton, Indiana, birthplace of Phil Harris, who nobody remembers but me. When you referenced the Maverick song that suddenly popped into your head, I was smiling. For my father, rest his soul, loved the TV show so much that he named me Brett. He also passed his love of Westerns down to me. We only differed on one thing. He was a Max Brand fan, and I was a Louis L'Amour fan. I named my two sons based on L'Amour's Sackett characters. So I guess I'm continuing the tradition my dad started. I'll say a prayer for you back, and thanks for the laughs. P.S. My dad also hated his middle name so much that he never gave a middle name to either me or my three brothers. He said we could figure out one for ourselves later in life, and I never did. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always, even in the rain, to wear white. You know, they all get involved, and they all got their gear already, oh, and so they're going to be all colored up in, uh, in the maroon and black and yellow. Dope. Like from yonder window breaks, and I will go 
constellations watching my imaginations in the coral shell. And I will lay back my head and dream into the waves of all the drowning lovers on a hundred thousand ways to say I love you so. Such a good artist, and it's hard, but my heart is pure. And the oceans and your instruments, so all my wishes making sense, I'm sure. I love you, I love you, like the rhythm and the blues above you. And the gold is in the ocean, cause the fire's in the ocean, I know. Don't get down.